and welcome once again to the Perimeter Church Podcast. Champions talk about believing they will win every time they compete. It doesn't mean that winning was easy and painless, but they competed secure in that belief. Founding pastor Randy Pope starts the new series Romans 8, Four Secrets to a Satisfying Life with the first part of this sermon entitled Rest in God's Security, which covers Romans chapter 8 verses 31 to 39. For more information and to watch or hear other messages, please visit our website at perimeter.org. Thank you for joining us today. Good morning, Perimeter family. It, uh, it feels a little strange for me to be introducing who's going to be preaching for us this morning uh, because he's the one who planted, founded, and, and led Perimeter Church so well, so incredibly well. For 42 years. Of course, I'm speaking of Randy Pope, and, and it's not so much an introduction of Randy as it is an introduction for this series that Randy's going to be leading us through for the next five weeks. He's leading us through the third part of his preaching through Romans chapter 8, and it's just so significant in my life. I just wanted to share my heart quickly with you to say that I first listened to his teachings through Roman, Romans 8 when I was in college. As Rachel grew up here at Perimeter and we started dating, one of her gifts to me was, uh, was the full volume set of his teachings on Romans 8, uh, cassette style, cassette form, and, and I listened to the whole thing as I would drive around in my car and it, it deeply impacted me. And so I trust and hope and expect that it's gonna be the same way for you. Randy did part one two summers ago. He did part two last summer, so it's only appropriate that he finish it out this summer with the third part of Romans chapter 8, Unstoppable God. Let me say what a privilege it is uh, to be back here. Uh, you know, it's, it's been uh, nearly nine months since I stood on this platform and, uh, and preached my last sermon. And I know Jeff is on vacation and uh, one that he needs and is good that he is away for this time. And I'm sure, as always, as I watch when I'm away and uh, likewise, um, he is. But um, I have to say that uh, it's, it's a little bit disappointing. I mean, I, I leave this place, and the place is full, and now I come back, and there's hardly anybody here at all. It's just like empty. So, uh, Jeff, come on, man. Actually, I say that to say what I really think, and that is I have been so proud, so proud of Jeff. And uh, somebody asked me the other day, well, how do you think Jeff's doing? I didn't have to just avoid the question. I said, I give him an A+. Plus. I absolutely am so thrilled with how he's leading, uh, how the church is doing in every respect. So uh, way to go, way to go. Our time is shorter than normal in our preaching because we have decided that it needs to be cut down about 10 minutes uh, of, of preaching time so that we can cut our service to an hour. And so um, in doing so, I'm going to jump right in uh, to the text but I have to introduce it perhaps with a way that helps us see where we're going. In the movie Switched at Birth, it's a, uh, a movie of a, a young girl, 10-year-old uh, Arlena, and she's about to have heart surgery. She is preparing to leave for the hospital, and she's with her mother. And she asks her mother the question. She says, am I going to die? And the mother says, well, no, sweetie, you're not going to die. And then she asked a more penetrating question. She said, does God love me? And she said, of, of course God loves you. 
And then she responded by asking, then why is it that I'm always sick? That's a reasonable question. Very reasonable question. Don't you and I determine how someone loves us by how they treat us? Uh, Why wouldn't we assume the same to be true with God? In fact, during tragedy and pain and suffering and so forth, uh, we began to ask the question. We began to ask the question, well, is is God, is he even concerned? Is, is he incapable? Uh, maybe am I unworthy of his love? There's got to be some reason that he is allowing all of these things to happen in my life. Tell me that you and all of us who've walked through hard loss, hard pain, hard suffering, the loss of a child or something as, uh, as tragic as even, you know, wanting marriage and not being able to be, or wanting children, not being able to have, whether it be that we're put in places of, because of injury or disease, that we have, uh, we've been left without the ability to live life as we'd like to live life, and we say, God, why would you do this? Well, this has been a church for 43 years that has always preached the great truth of Ephesians 1.11. And that's teaching is that God works all things after the counsel of his will, or as the great uh, divines of Westminster uh, so well put it, ordaining whatsoever comes to pass. So if God is in control, he is a part, then we ask that question, why, how, how can God love me? So our text is in Romans chapter 8. Caleb just read the text. We're going to be beginning this time in verse 31. And those verses and following help to convince us, those of us who doubt, as we all do, they help to convince us as Christians that we are secure in God's love in spite of the stuff that we're going through right now. In light of that, if you have your Bibles, Romans 8, 31, let's jump into the text for a few minutes and we'll bring a an application to what this is telling us. It begins, what then shall we say to these things? Now, the first thing we have to do is figure out what are these things that he's referring to. Well, it's chapters 1 through 8, and specifically that which we find in chapter 8. And so here we see an outline I'm going to give you. You have it in your notes if you're online and using those notes. I'll put it up here. Uh, Here is a a quick outline that I would suggest as a good title, Four Secrets to a Satisfying Life. And they really are. And here they are. Let's put them up. Number one, I have to experience acceptance. And that's what chapter 8, verses 1 through 17 is all about. We did that in 2018 as a series. And then number two, Rejoice in suffering, verses 16 through 27. The same year, we did two of these in the same year at the same time, rejoicing in suffering. And then the the next year, 2019, uh, we talked about trust in God's sovereignty. Now, all that text there up to where we are now are what he's referring to as these things. That's it. He's saying these things plus everything that's been said in Romans But particularly, I think the focus is on what particularly we see here in these texts. That leads us 
uh, to do number four, and that's where we are today, to rest in God's uh, security. If we can truly find acceptance and we find ability to rejoice in suffering, we find ourselves able to, to really trust in God's sovereignty, that's when we come to a place that we, in a sense, sit back and say, yeah, whatever's going on, I don't like it. But I can rest in God's security. So the text says, what then shall we say to these things? What do we say about it? And here Paul answers, in essence, by saying we can rest in the security of God's love. And he does so by suggesting five questions. And that's what we're going to do for these five weeks. Each week, take one of the five questions. Caleb just read them. I'll go right through them again very quickly, and here they are. Number one, if God is for us, who can be against us? We'll look at that this week. And then next week, number two, how shall God not with Christ give us all things, referring to all good things? Number three, who will bring a charge against God's elect? Verse 33. Number four, in verse 34, who is the one who condemns? And then lastly, the wonderful closing to the text, who shall separate us from the love of God? Verses 35 through 90. So here Paul comes and he hurls these five questions at us. And it's those questions, those penetrating questions as we look to the answers that say, my goodness, God must, must love me so much that I, I can be secure. Even when life is rip, ripping us apart. Here's how the great commentator and teacher of God's truth, John Stott, refers to these five questions. He says it this way. He says, Paul hurls five questions out into space, as it were, defiantly, triumphantly, challenging any creature in heaven or earth or hell itself to answer them or to deny the truth that is contained in them. Now, having looked at that, let's look at our first question, and it doesn't take long. Simply our first question, if God be for us, who can be against it? Who can be against us? Romans 8, 31. So let's break it down. He says, if God. Now, this is not a, a, a term used to say if, and, and there's doubt. We have to wonder, is, is he really for us? No, this is, a, this is a word of certainty. It would be used as we would use since God is for us. But I, I don't want you to hear that and, and miss. Uh, understand or underestimate who is against us. It's not like we as Christians, we walk through life and no one's against us. In fact, Paul in Ephesians 6, man, he says it this way. He says, no, 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 you know who's against you? It's principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, spiritual darkness in the high place. And Paul is not asking who's against us. Oh, he knows who's against us, but he adds those very strategic words, if God be for us, who can be against us? Now, let me remind all of you, this is the God who is almighty, omnipotent. He's the creator. He's the sustainer of all things. This is the same God. We all need to know this. It is the same God that we've just read about in the previous verses, 28 through 30, who foreknew us, foreloved us, the same God who predestined us, who called us, 
who justified us and one day is going to glorify us. This great God, he says, if this God be for you, then you tell me who can really be against you. Paul's question uh, could perhaps be worded like this. If God be for us, who can successfully be against us? It's not that, well, nobody can be against you if God's for No, no, no. There's plenty against us. But how are they going to be successful? And Christian, that's where you and I have to ask. Are we believing that they are successful? No, no. They're not successful at all. So in light of God being for us, these formidable enemies are as good as non-existent. Now, as I try to wrap this uh, to near conclusion here, uh, let, me, uh, let me use an illustration, an illustration of my dating past. And so uh, I, I, I might have to tell you, and probably a couple of times to make sure this doesn't get out wrongly, this is not a true story. I made up this story, okay? And so if you are sleeping right now, if you're on your couch and leaning back and, and, and you wake up in the middle of this, I'm in big trouble. So this is not a true story. Uh, it's a dating illustration uh, of my past that's not real. But imagine that I am with Carol at uh, several functions, kind of seeing her at a distance, listening to her, uh, you know, uh, away from her, and, and I'm going, this girl seems to be so sweet. She's so attractive. She said, oh, wow, wow, wow. And I find out that we have a mutual friend. And so I go to the mutual friend, and I say, uh, tell me a little bit more about this Carol Hearn. Oh, she's this and she's that, and everything I hear is just like, Wow. And I said, well, can you do me a favor? Do you think you could maybe work it out where we could maybe have a date? You may check her out, see if she'd be willing and so forth and so on. Could you set me up with that? And my friend says, I'll do it on one condition, that after you date her, assuming it works out, that you will take another friend of mine out that I want you to ask because it would be helpful. It would be helpful, trust me. And I say, well, yeah, I'll do that. And so he indeed sets me up with my date. And I go out with Carol, and uh, it, it seems to be so mutual. We both are attracted to each other. We both enjoy each other. It's obvious we like to meet again together, and we're going to date quite obviously. Then I have my second date. And I go out with this girl, and she is as mean as a bulldog. In fact, ironically, her name is Ugga. There'd be a lot of laughter if there were anybody in here right now. Ugga. Uh, meaning, Ugga? I'm going to go out with Ugga? And I go out, and it's everything I had been told. She was mean. It was not any fun. Now, after a period of time, I see my mutual friend, and my mutual friend it says, uh, well, thank you for doing what I asked you to do, but I need to tell you, I need to tell you that uh, I talked to Ugga. Ugga was not too impressed with you. I don't think that she really uh, enjoyed being with you that much. Now, what am I going to do? Am I going to have remorse over that? Am I going to hurt over it? Am I going to have anxiety over it? Am I going to say, oh, no, Ugga doesn't like me. Ugga didn't. You know what I'm going to say? Who cares? If Carol be for me, who can be against me? You see, it's the story of a greater love. 
That's what this whole thing is about. That's what Paul is trying to get across to us as Christians who are laboring in our pain and suffering and agony and saying, oh, no, no, it's too much. It's being thrown at me. I can't handle it. Oh, oh no, no, it's too bad. God says, now listen, you're going to have pain and suffering. I never told you anything otherwise. But I tell you this, you need to know that God is for you. And how many of us in the midst of our pain and suffering and struggle say, how can I believe that God is for me? With this going on in my life right now, you're going to tell me that God is for me and he controls all things? And uh, I, I don't know, I can't, I can't buy it. Well, let me give you our takeaway. I'll put it on the board here. I think it says it as clearly as I could write it. These principalities and powers, rulers of darkness and so forth, they can take away our health. They can take away our loved ones and freedom. Which, by the way, which I have used often, which has been said, God hates but ordains in order to accomplish what he loves. But there is nothing we can lose or experience which will not be both bearable and acceptable if, and here's the big if, if we rest in the assurance and the security of God's love. So let's change that dating illustration a bit. What if I dated Ugga first? What if Ugga is as mean as a bulldog, but she keeps it hidden for quite a while? And she happens to be so physically gorgeous that I just am overwhelmed with beauty. And so as it turns out, I never ask Carol out. Carol, meanwhile, moves on in life. She marries, as do I, and live unhappily married for the rest of my life. You see, sometimes beautiful and even good things God allows to be taken away so we won't miss something far better. That's what's hard for us to believe. Really something far better than me experiencing the love of a spouse, the beauty of children, of good health, of living with my children and not having them separated from me because they die? You're going to tell me there's something better than that? You see, I've got this belief that we live in an upside-down perspective. Take, for instance, suffering, etc. Here's the earth side. Oh my goodness, uh, who could have things worse than me? Look how bad things are, and indeed they are. Maybe worse than anyone you can even see. And then we see that person over here, and life is just clicking, and everything is good with them, and they're so happy, and everything is great. They have their children, they have their this, they have their that. And we look at them and say, how come they're so blessed? Why did God allow them to be so blessed? Didn't let me. The heavenly perspective 
of that same thing when in heaven. Why is it that God blessed this person so much? Like me, allowing me to suffer and be disciplined by my God, being coached through pain and suffering to become strong. As James says, perfect and complete, lacking in nothing, to be able to live and enjoy for all eternity, to have the crowns that come with the things that I learned through the heartbreak, but now the have to trust in my God. And how come for me, he didn't, he didn't give that. I, I mean, I had such a, a pain-free life. And though, yes, for that little brief snap of time, it was, it was enjoyable, but boy, I, I'm glad that you have the crowns to throw at the feet of Jesus. Let's take death. We've had several in this church die at a young age. We look at those that die and we say, but look what they missed. They never saw their children do this. They never got to see this. They never got to see that. Oh, that's so sad. <clears throat> and we're so blessed because we get to live to 90 or whatever. Eternal perspective. Hey, Kurt. Well, Chuck, why? Why did God bless you so much to rip you away from the pain and the heartache of a, of a broken life and the sin and the agony and the pain and brought you here after so few years? It's an upside-down perspective. Do we expect we're going to have that perspective? No, not fully. But Paul has given us a picture to look at and say, remember this, remember it, remember it. It's an upside-down world. In reality, what we should be doing, and when you've hit this mark, and I have a few times in my life where I've actually felt jealous that God has spared me the pain that someone else is walking through, and I say, oh, God, I don't want that pain. But I know what they're getting. I know what the gain is. And that I wish I could have. It's an upside-down world for sure. Let me conclude. Christian, I'm going to talk to you that are kids and the youth that are watching right now. Would you like to rest secure regardless of what's and who is against you? What are the principalities and powers and rulers of darkness, what are they throwing at you, young people? Depression or insignificance or loneliness? I don't know. The list could go on and on. What you need is a healthy dose of assurance that God is for you. That's it. Don't buy the lie that because of your circumstances compared to others. That God is just not for you. That's not true. How about you adults? What would, what would, what would you like? I mean, would you like to rest secure regardless of your circumstances? So what have the principalities and powers thrown at you? What do you experience? Is it hopelessness? Societal injustice, personal injustice, physical pain, emotional pain. The remedy is the same as a healthy dose 
a healthy dose of assurance that God is for you. Do not buy the lie. Don't buy the lie that God's not for you because of what's going on. I'm not talking about living as if, oh, I don't hurt. There's no pain. There's no suffering. Yeah, I'm, I'm going through the worst hell in life. I can't imagine any worse. But you know what? It's not a problem to me because God is for me. I feel, no, no, no. Paul expresses it to the Corinthians in the second book this way. He said, we are afflicted in every way. That doesn't feel good. But we're not crushed. We're perplexed. But we're not despairing. Oh, we're persecuted, but we're not forsaken. We're struck down, but we are not destroyed. We are not. Why? Because God is for us. How do we know that? Jesus said so in dozens of ways, dozens of times. But the reality is his cross proved it. So when it hurts... And you began to doubt, remember the cross. I'm sure there are some seekers among us that are watching. I'd encourage you, contemplate the meaning of the cross. Ask, why would he do it? And then ask, do I believe he did it for me? And it's this uncommon love that we experience that creates in us an uncommon love for him. And the way you know that you have a true love for him is because you've embraced his uncommon love. That's the way it happens. You experience his love, you watch, you follow. You don't just pick and choose, I'll, I'll obey. No, no, you go, uh-uh, I'll follow you. The true sign of a real Christian. I'm going to invite you to pray with me. We're going to walk through the rest of this series, see what God is going to say to us through these next four questions. And I'm praying, and my hope is that we finish this, and when we conclude it, there's going to be this sense of, wow, I don't care what's going on in my life. I've got the story of a greater love. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, we now come before you and we ask you to do just that over these next weeks. Would you work in our hearts right now? As Christians first, would you work in our hearts? In the midst of all that's going on, we call your presence. We ask you, be near. We ask you, take it away. And rightly so. We understand it's good and appropriate to let our requests be known to you. But God, whatever happens in our lives, Keep us mindful of the hope of the glory yet to be revealed. And even now, the glory that is being revealed, even because we walk through these hard times. God, grant that, we pray. May we be convinced. May we be a people secure in your love. And Father, I pray for our many friends that aren't yet certain that they're in relationship with you. Would you even now? Uh, just uh, don't let them get away from looking at the cross. Let them contemplate it until finally... Their heart breaks and falls in love with you. Thank you for taking a, a penalty that we deserve and allowing us to have the righteousness we don't. You're good, 
In fact, you're indescribable. We can't even imagine. How can we even talk about how good you are, how wonderful? And so even now, hear us as we sing to you the indescribable one. Hear us, we pray, in the matchless name of our Savior, Jesus. Amen. You've been listening to the Perimeter Church Podcast. Perimeter Church is located at the corner of Highway 141 and Old Alabama Road in Johns Creek, Georgia. Please visit our website at www.perimeter.org for more information, to give us your feedback, and find other messages from our teaching team. Thanks for making this podcast a part of your day.